Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. I am Clive Enever, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Sue Hurst about the best cash flow stress busters for business owners. Sue Hurst is a co-founder of CFO On Call. She is passionate about helping business owners to understand financial issues in plain English and seeing how small changes can impact the results a great deal. Hello, Sue, and welcome. Hi, Clive. Great to be here. Thank you. Absolutely wonderful to have you here because not even thinking about all the people listening to our conversation, I want to know what on earth is a CFO on call? Well, CFO, if you haven't heard the term before, it stands for Chief Financial Officer, and all Bigger, medium-sized businesses have a CFO in them. And what we dis- and the reason we took that as part of our name was because quite a while ago we recognised a bit of a gap in the market between what external, more tax-related and compliance-related accountants do and what bookkeepers do. There was a bit of a gap in the middle for more financial strategy for smaller businesses who couldn't really justify the full-time salary of a CFO. And then on the other hand, we had all these wonderfully experienced and knowledgeable CFOs coming out of these medium to larger sized businesses who wanted to go out and help smaller businesses. So that's why we created CFO on call to put the two together. You mentioned you noticed this, uh, disconnect if you like quite a few years ago I understand it was quite a few years plus a few wasn't it 30 years ago (laughs) (laughs) so for 30 years we've we've had CFO on call how specifically can CFO on call help a small business that isn't big enough to have a CFO in-house yeah well look Most people that run businesses are not formally trained in financial management. And, you know, understandably, they've got a whole bunch of other things to think about, you know, managing their product or service, doing their marketing, selling their business, selling their products, uh, managing their staff, managing their customers, running their operations. So finance often tends to be a bit of a, you know, last thing that they want to think about when actually it is really important. And the the problem is that they have a tax accountant, but tax accountants don't often get down to the real nitty gritty of what goes on in the business. They tend to focus more on the sort of high level tax and compliance type work. So, you know, business owners need somebody to talk to effectively you know they particularly very entrepreneurial type people have lots of ideas and opportunities and they often are asking themselves 
Is this actually going to be a profitable opportunity? Is this something that I should really invest my time, money, resources in to get off the ground if, you know, I'm not sure whether I'm actually going to make a profit? And more importantly, whether my working capital can sustain this new idea. And so it's really helpful to have a sounding board or a right-hand person that they can just bounce these ideas off of and talk about. And this CFO logical thinker can talk it through with them and then crunch the numbers to confirm to them whether it's a good or a bad idea. That would put an end to those of us in business who jump in because sounds great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Save you a lot of headaches, though. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And there's, there are lots of things that confront us in business, of course, and most of us only find them out for the first time when they confront us. And as you rightly point out, if there's someone that uh, a person in business can turn to to ask questions, then obviously it can help place them in a better position. We hear people talk about um, business and often we hear, but if we just sell more, that will help. Mm-hmm. Just selling more help? It does if you're, as I just alluded to before, if you're very confident that what you're selling is actually profitable, and, and this comes back to two, two numbers that I'll talk about a bit later if you want. The, the key two numbers that I think most business owners need to really focus on um, if, you know, if you're really confident that your sale is profitable. And the other issue is with the cash movement side of things because profit and cash move at different paces within a business. So when you sell something, sometimes before you sell it, you have to buy something. And that might be a product or labour to deliver on a project or a job. So depending on the, um, the terms that you get from the suppliers of the product or the labour, you might have had to pay for that within 30 days. Um, then you, it, your project might be in process for a while. So unless you're getting, um, what do you call them, uh, pro, uh, progress payments or a deposit, you're out of, um, you're you're behind, you know, cash flow wise. And then also if you're buying a product, it might sit on the shelves for 30, 60, 90 days. So you've got quite a bit to outlay before you even make a sale, let alone get paid by your customer if you provide terms to your customers. So if you need cash to fund a sale, the more sales you make, the more cash you need. And that is what brings a lot of businesses undone. I refer to it as growing broke. So if, if you don't really crunch the numbers and understand the cash flow impact of increases or decreases in your sales, that can give you a lot of headaches if you haven't planned for the cash requirement. Lends a lot of weight to the uh, story of being of being able to sell yourself right out of business. 
Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, that's where a lot of businesses come unstuck, which is really sad because, you know, potentially they, they could be hugely successful if they just got that cash management side of things under control. All very important because uh, selling is great, but if you're selling yourself out of business, that's not helpful. And another thing that uh, you know, prompts in my mind what you're talking about there, a lot of people think they make their profit when they make a sale, which is probably when they get the money, which turns into profit. But the profit is really in the purchase, isn't it? It is. Well, I, I, I mentioned earlier two numbers, and the, the two numbers to my, my thinking, my plain English thinking, is um, one is your break-even point. And, you know, I can explain to you a bit more about that. But, you know, if you don't know your break-even point, how are you going to avoid losses? That is a really great start to avoiding losses. And the other key number, which is part of calculating the break-even point, is your cost of sales percentage. So what um, a lot of people don't focus on is the costs because they're just, you know, going for broke selling all the time. So when, say you sell $100 worth of something, if your costs are 90%, which I know sounds high, but, you know, not unusual in some cases, that means only $10 is dropping onto the bottom line. If you focus attention on reducing your costs, Every dollar you reduce your costs goes straight to the bottom line. So that's why it's really important to focus on those costs. And one that we hear a lot about in talking to various people in business is break-even. It's been my experience that a lot of people don't understand how to arrive at that figure of break-even. What's the, the simple, plain English way of understanding how do we find break-even? It's very simple. There's just two numbers you need to know to work out break-even. One of them is your fixed monthly overheads. And by fixed, I mean things like your rent, your um, admin wages, uh, your director's pays, your advertising, your phone bills, all those things that you have to pay whether you sell anything or not, as opposed to what some people refer to as variable expenses. So that's the costs of the things that you're selling, i.e. The, the cost of the product or the cost of the labour if you're delivering a project or a job. So you need to know your fixed monthly overheads. The other thing you need to know is your gross margin percentage. So if you're selling something for $100, and it costs you $40, your gross margin is 60%. Okay? So to work out your break-even, you take, so let's say your overheads per month were $30,000. You divide 30,000 by 60%, and the answer to that is 50,000. So $50,000, if you reverse work that out, if you sell $50,000 and you've got $30,000 worth of overheads, you've got 20000 20, is your um, direct costs. So that brings you back to a figure of zero. So once you know what that is, that then enables you to set realistic targets for a desirable profit. 
And, and this is the problem. People don't work that out. So they just go out hell for leather selling stuff. They're not really clear on what the true cost of the product or service is. So therefore they don't price it right to make sure that they're actually going to make a profit. They don't keep control of the overheads. They let them get out of control. They let everybody within the business spend money, you know, as and when they feel like it. And suddenly they get to the end of the year and guess what? They've made a huge loss. So, so knowing your break-even is a fantastic start to stopping losses and also helps you to set sales targets. And the way you express it, it's relatively simple to figure it out. There, as you say, two numbers, just uh, a, a little bit of simple multiplication and division and you're away. Yep. <laughs> so... When we look at that, if we take a, a broad view um, here in Australia in particular, the Australian Bureau of Statistics tell us that 65% of businesses fail within the first three years. Mm-hmm. And on their uh, website, they tell us that the reason that they fail is because their expenses are too high, there's insufficient cash, uh, they don't... Uh, uh, there's something else which was pretty much the same. Yeah. Does that come back to we start a business without talking to somebody like you so that we can get a, a good idea of what the opportunities really are? Yeah, look, you know, I, I people with entrepreneurial spirit tend to be pretty focused on the product or the service that they're selling and they get into business for all kinds of different reasons, sometimes a little bit by accident. In fact, that's kind of what happened to me in a way. I mean, it's sort of worked out okay in our situation because we're still here 30 years later. But in in a lot of cases, I mean, like I hear these stories about people who set up restaurants and I just cringe and I think, oh, my gosh, have you really thought about it? You know, have you really worked out how many plates of food you have to sell and glasses of drink in order to recover these huge fit-out costs. You know, they get very passionate about it and they're a great cook or whatever. And, um, you know, being good at what you do is not the same as being a good business person. You've really got to understand the numbers and, you know, people think, oh, yeah, I'll just go into this and I'll sell plenty and that'll all be good, you know, it'll you know, selling enough will be the answer. But as I've said before, you know, you, where you really can come unstuck is not understanding the true cost of your product or service and pricing it right to ensure that you're going to make a gross profit, let alone a net profit. Because if you can't make a gross profit, you've got buckleys of making a net profit. So, you know, you've got your gross profit and then you've got all these overheads. And one of the biggest issues that people uh, or one of the biggest mistakes that people make is not having a budget. You know, a budget is like a financial roadmap. It is absolutely your business financial global positioning system. It, you know, if... There's a saying, if you aim at nothing, you'll reach the target with amazing accuracy. So if you don't have these targets and and financial plans, how in the heck are you going to end up with a profit at the end of the period? And Sue, you and I 
um, very familiar with looking at these sort of things. Uh, a lot of people fall into the category you were just talking about. They don't have a, a budget, which is, again, for you and I, probably relatively simple to put together. Yeah. What do you think causes that? Are, are we frightened of numbers to the extent that we won't even start? Or is there some other thing that stops us from doing that? Oh, look, well, as I said, you know, there's, there's a lot involved in running a business. So, you know, people get um, sidetracked by other issues. And, look, a lot of stuff goes on in business. We all know what it's like being in business, managing staff, managing customers, managing deliveries, managing operations, managing software, managing, you know, everything. And so also a lot of entrepreneurial people are not that comfortable with numbers and often the way that numbers are presented to people, particularly by external tax accountants, they're not very friendly. You know, they're, they're more designed actually for doing your tax return than for managing your business. So you, you'll get, you know, maybe five or six pieces of paper with a bunch of numbers on it. If you're very lucky, you might get some explanation from your accountant. If you're even more lucky, you might understand what they're talking about. Um, you know, I've actually worked in an accounting practice myself, so I know what goes on um, a long time ago. And so, you know, a lot of financial information is not designed for non-accounting type, left-brain type people. So if, if the way that we like to do it is in a more graphical way and keeping it very simple and very focused on the key numbers that the business owner needs to know in order to make a profit. So, you know, I think that probably, and, and maybe not being that skillful with spreadsheets, being a little bit deterred by that. Um, so, you know, I think there's quite a few reasons. And also having access to a second opinion. You know, some somebody, when, when you go into business, you can be a little bit sort of um, wishful thinking, so you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to sell this much and it's going to cost this much and, and they don't really stress test the numbers well enough. What, what you really need to be doing is what we refer to as what-if scenarios and what-if scenarios right now are absolutely vital. You know, with the coronavirus situation, every business owner must know what will be my position if my sales go up or down by a certain percentage and what will be the impact on my profit and my cash situation. So, you know, all of that, it's a lot to think about. And business owners, as I said, aren't formally trained in financial management. So, you know, they really do need to get some help and, and recognise the fact that they don't have to be an expert in everything. You mentioned the enthusiasm that most of us dive into business with it it's uh, amazing to see how those rose-colored glasses across time can often turn opaque yeah yeah and, and and it's sad to see in a way you know i mean we we see often examples of what what could have been a really fabulous business if they'd just been a bit more focus on the more logical side of it as well as the creative enthusiasm i mean you need both obviously 
Um, but, you know, creative people really do need that logical left brain thinker as part of their team. Really, they just need somebody to keep them aware of what's happening. A lot of people think, as you mentioned earlier, that I'm in business, I need to be uh, the master of everything. But rather than be the master of everything, perhaps we need to understand someone else can provide us that information upon which we can make a decision. Is that uh, a, a good way for people to look at it? Absolutely. And look, part of it is education. And, and that's what we're really keen on is not just feeding reports to a business owner, but really helping them to understand the mechanics of, of how the financial um, issues work within the business and how you can get them to work for you as opposed to against you. So, um, yeah, just and, and it's all about confidence, you know, having good information that you're really confident is accurate because this is the other danger is that a lot of small business owners rely on information out of accounting systems that have not been set up properly and that where the data is not being dealt with properly. I mean, we see it so often, just really fundamental mistakes that can really stuff up the information that they're basing decisions on or that they might be going to a lender and and providing financial statements to a lender that make their business look not a good risk that are not right. And so they're missing out on the opportunity to get the funding they need to grow their business. Important point you mentioned there, that obtaining funding. You know, a lot of folks in business uh, have the opinion that I'm doing okay, I'm making lots of sales, I've got uh, money at the end of the week, the month, the quarter, the, the year. I want to expand. Bank is sure to help me out or some other funder is sure to help me out. What do we actually need in our armoury, Sue, when we approach a funding option? Well, one of the key things that business bankers really like to see is something called a three-way forecast. And what that is, is a, a budget of your profit and loss. So what are you going to sell? What's that going to cost you? And what are your overheads going to be? And some other costs like interest. And so what profit is going to be left at the end? Also, they like to see a cash flow forecast. They want to see, you know, the what, what are going to be the peaks and troughs in your cash position because, as I described earlier, profit moves at a different pace than cash. So you can be profitable at the end of 12 months but you've gone bust in the middle because you've run out of cash. So they want to see that plotted out in black and white for whatever period and the third thing is a balance sheet forecast. And the balance sheet is a pretty thorny bit of paper that very few business owners look at very carefully. And that is what brings a lot of them unstuck because they don't appreciate that what goes on in the balance sheet is what really can seriously cause you problems. In, in our business, we talk about seven key numbers that drive profit and cash flow. And, and I won't go through all of them now. If anybody wants to have a look at an e-book, I've, I've got an e-book on it. But half of those numbers 
are derived from the balance sheet. So if you're not looking at the balance sheet, you're missing half the picture. So things like your um, customers that owe you money or they're often called accounts receivable in the balance sheet. You know, if you've got a lot of those and you're not collecting payment from customers customers quickly enough, that's going to have a really bad impact on your cash position. Uh, Suppliers to whom you owe money, your accounts payable. If you've got too little of that, that means you're paying your suppliers too quickly. So you're paying your suppliers more quickly than you're collecting from your customers. Result, cash flow problems, cash flow squeeze. The other thing that's in your balance sheet is your inventory or stock holdings. We, we see it so often, you know, we walk out to clients' businesses and they've got stock rooms full of stuff that's been there for years and years and just needs to be gotten rid of. And you've got to think of it as dollar bills piled up on the stock room floor. That is cash that you could be using for better things. The other thing that sits in the balance sheet is work in progress or jobs or projects in progress that have not been billed yet. So you um, you account for the income and the cost of those jobs at the time when the job is finished. So that's when it goes into your profit and loss. But in the meantime, it sits in your balance sheet as what's called work in progress. So again, you know, if you're not managing jobs at the optimal level, you've got money just sitting there on the workroom floor waiting to be collected because you haven't finished the job and you haven't been able to invoice it quickly enough or you're not getting progress payments or you're not getting upfront deposits from your customers. So there's there's a lot that impacts cash flow sitting in the balance sheet and banks like to see that you've got a good control over those issues because if you can't manage your own money, they're not going to feel comfortable about giving you theirs. Funny how that works, isn't it? That uh, they only want to give it to you if they're sure you're going to give it back. What's wrong with that? <laughs> they're not a charity. <laughs> Are you a bank shareholder? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It, it's all, all about business, business, isn't it? Because uh, we we want our business to work, therefore we, we want other people's business to work as well. But let's find out a little bit about Sue because... All of this information you're providing is absolutely excellent and I love the way you put it all into plain English, Sue. But you started this business uh, 30-something years ago with your husband. You work in it together and you didn't start working from home because of COVID-19. You started right at the start. How on earth have you two managed to stay working and still both be alive? Well, it was quite fateful actually how we started the business because I actually worked in an accounting practice back in the 1980s and so I got a pretty good grounding in you know dealing with small business clients and um, and I was actually involved in the computerization of that accounting practice because we used to uh, type up the tax returns back then with carbon paper shock horror Um, as you did yes yeah, so I saw firsthand that, you know, clients and clients would come in from one year to the next not knowing how they had gone throughout the year. So they'd just come in to get their tax returned on. And this was before accounting systems were very prevalent. So, 
it used to make me think, how on earth do they manage throughout the year? How do they know where they're at and if they've made any money or lost money? And my husband, Stuart, this was before we met. We've only been married. Well, we've been married for 30 years. Um, he was running a business himself. So he was the other side of the coin. He was running his business and he he's not a very um, numerically minded person. He's the more creative, visionary side of the team. And he similarly questioned his accountant, I'd like to know how I'm going throughout the year. And he actually did manage to get some reports out of his accountant for a couple of months, but then they got busy with tax and so they, he didn't get the reports. So when we got together, we happened to have this conversation fairly early on. And so it was a bit of a fateful meeting in a way. We were the two sides of the story. And, and he talked me into going out and starting out this business which um, which we did in 1990, 90, 90, 91, so being in 29 years. And, yeah, and I, I was quite, well, we kind of knew that there was a, a bit of a gap in the market. But, you know, I was pleasantly surprised when I got out there and started to acquire quite a good number of clients reasonably quickly and confirmed my suspicion that a lot of people were really needing and wanting that information throughout the year and um, and wanting to get it in a cost-effective way. So effectively, that's what I was doing, just going out and helping business owners to get that information, to give them that confidence and knowledge about where they were at. In terms of you two working together, you were able to identify early that you each had a different role. And have you managed to keep separate those roles we do actually we work from home together and Stuart's office is upstairs and mine is downstairs and we just you know um work away we have lunch together we attend meetings together by zoom with various people and um so you know my my side is more the the technical side and but interestingly we actually franchised the business in the early 1990s because Stuart was also involved in a franchise marketing business and within a reasonable period of time he said to me I think this business is franchisable that we've got here and so it took me a while to get my head around that idea but eventually I did and so I pretty much handed most of my clients to the first franchisee that joined us. And so we've kind of evolved now into more of a partnership-based model. So we work with a, um, a good number of ex-CFOs from the corporate uh, situation who now go out and help small businesses to get their finances under control. So we help them with the marketing and promotional side of things. That's an interesting journey. And uh, it sounds like there weren't too many nasty bumps Oh, yeah, we've had nasty bumps. Everybody's had nasty bumps. Gosh. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's it's how you bounce back from them that counts, isn't it? You know, I suppose, um, yeah, I think we've had our ups and downs, but we you learn from them. You, um, you can't always have an impact on what happens to you. You can only decide how you react to it. 
and and whether you learn from it and and act on those learnings. No, very good point. And we could talk about numbers forever because there's so many people who uh, want to know better how to organise their numbers, but time is against us, Sue. But before I let you go, what is the best tip that you have received from a business conversation? Um, Well, I I like the um, advice that I once heard that the true success in business is that your net income should exceed your gross habits. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to say that, wouldn't I? Being involved in a financial business. (laughs) (laughs) yes i like that one (laughs) and sue what is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today i think don't be scared to seek out information and educate yourself about the financial workings in your business and look there's a lot of information out there and obviously i've got to give a plug for cfo on call um, in, in my time in this business, in the 30 years that I've been in the business, I've spent a lot of time uh, extracting information out of the brains of all these CFOs that we work with. Who, you know, some of them have just made phenomenal differences to some of the businesses they've worked with. And so my job is to take that information and Uh, translate it into plain English because that, I think, is the biggest problem with financial information is that it's designed for people who want to go and do an accounting degree. Well, a business owner does not have the time to do an accounting degree, nor should they, you know, think about doing that. So trying to get that information in plain English and in in a way that you can absorb and not, not try and figure it all out at first, but just, you know, really get a handle on understanding the difference between costs and overheads, making sure that you manage your costs, so be as efficient as possible with producing your job or your product and and really carefully managing your overheads. And so knowing your costs enables you to make sure that you price your product or service right in order to make a profit. And just, you know, really understanding those simple key numbers are what is going to set you on the path to stress-free profitability in business. Good advice. Don't, don't be afraid. Find out what the numbers are actually telling you. The, um, the veil of secrecy by not looking at the numbers can be a devil of a fright when the veil's removed. Yeah, and, and just be really careful about looking at the reports that come out of your zero or MYB because... You know, it's, it's not guaranteed that they are accurate and that's not knocking those software systems. They are fantastic software systems. But the issue is the data that goes in and the way it goes in and so the way that people are reading it when it comes out. You know, if, if it's not set up right, you're, you could be basing decisions on inaccurate information and that's probably worse than, you know, not making decisions at all. Yes, bad information in is only going to give you bad information out. And if you're making decisions on bad information, you're not necessarily heading in a good good direction. No, you're cruising for a bruising. (laughs) (laughs) So, so. 
And most importantly, Sue, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? They can visit our website, cfooncall.com.au. So that's cfooncall.com.au. And we actually have a, um, a very wide range of plain English information on that site in our help and info section. So if they'd like to go and have a look at that, they can subscribe to that and that will give them access to lots and lots of uh, very simply written ebooks and cheat sheets and um, our blog has got, you know, I think there's a blog on calculating your break-even, all those sorts of things, really simple concepts in, as I said, plain English language. There you go. That's uh, a nice, easy one to, to find, cfooncall.com.au. Sounds exactly the way it's written, cfooncall.com.au. Sue, this has been marvellous having you explain to us in uh, simple English, plain English. Uh, what are, what are the numbers that we should be looking at so that we can move forward with greater ease in our business? Thank you for doing that and great to have you here and we look forward to chatting with you again. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Clive. It's been great. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.